0: Great parkour athletes don't always make great speed athletes.
1: Speed courses are way cooler when there's some element of risk that athletes have to navigate.
0: I think I think that's actually sick. I think if we can get to a level where we have courses that are sections or above water that that just reads to the audience and, and you actually need that visual for it to make sense. Otherwise we're just we just look like kids running around. So I know we're way past New Year's right now, but there is kind of a resolution behavior that I'm trying to adapt. I haven't quite figured out where to do it. I do, I do actually think the best way to start a new behavior is just get in. Like, It doesn't matter if you're too busy. Just get started on it because if you do it at the ideal time, it's probably not going to stick anyways. But the behavior I'm trying to start is I'm trying to watch more parkour content on YouTube mm, yes, yes. trying to watch the blogs trying to check out the podcasts and things consume the media yes be a consumer stay in the know watch all the stuff that uh does that include Instagram no it doesn't include Instagram because that's just short form actually I think my Instagram consumption is is getting less and less mm. and
1: oh, the same, same for me at
0: least for yeah.
1: content on Instagram C-
0: quick little side tangent with that yeah one thing with instagram is is i'll turn it on you know in the morning usually and kind of do a quick check through i actually feel like that's when people post the bangers because i think they're smart about it i think they post usually like east coast or west coast north american morning time is or at least that's when they hit my feed so yeah so that's becoming i think the most valuable time for me to be on instagram and then I feel like I don't need to check it later because if I check it later, I'm just scrolling through and then I'm getting ads or stuff that I'm not following anyways. So one, maybe one check a day, see who's done some incredible stuff and then... And then move on with your life? Yeah. <laughs> um, but I am trying to uh, pick a day or, or a collection of days where I, I watch, watch some YouTube content, watch some okay. vlogs and okay. stuff. And recently, uh, and, and both of us have watched it, is a, a Team Fat vlog, which I admitted to on a previous episode I'd been sleeping on. Yeah. And they do actually quite a good job with their, with their vlogs. I enjoyed this one. It, it was a
1: the, speed course. The production quality is like improved substantially since the last time I watched since them. Since the last
0: time you watched. Okay, cool. Um, so this was a speed theme. Um, Orlando seems to be the one who always wins.
1: So, here's, so I just want to pose a question, do you think that Orlando is the fastest speed athlete in the world? He might be. He might be. You heard it first here on SDS, Orlando um. might be <laughs> the fastest speed <laughs> athlete in the world very decisive yeah we don't know for sure though because um he only has really competed in these vlog uh Mm -hmm. competitions and i guess he, he competed at project underground a couple years ago i think yep he's i'm
0: pretty sure it's an accurate stat that he has won every speed competition He's competing. He's competing. including does that
1: count though? Like, including
0: this recent vlog where they they really I don't know if they were hamming it up, but it, I I enjoyed it. It was entertaining for me where he was just like hacking
1: and, yeah. and coughing and well, stuff because
0: apparently he was sick while they were recording this vlog.
1: Okay, but it's a very this is a that's a very poor like metric. <laughs> like he's competing against his teammates who. Mm-hmm. L- literally the majority of them were injured, or at least half of them were injured. Um, and then uh, it's such a small sample size of, of people to be competing against. But yeah, he, and then he, he did compete at Project Underground. Ground, I want to say like two years ago in one speed. And But that still doesn't tell us that much because he hasn't done any of the fake events. He hasn't done SPL mm-hmm. or any... Uh, he hasn't been involved in any of the other competitions around. Not that there are a ton of competitions that he has access to. Yeah. Um, but it makes me very curious. Like, how how good is he uh, at speed? Because he looks incredibly powerful and fast.
0: Yeah, all of his skills that he seems to work on and, and it just excel at that he has so much talent and, and ability in are the things that you need to be good at speed. So, mm-hmm. like, jumping power. He seems to be a very quick and powerful uh, strider as well. And, and even ascents. Like, I don't, you, you might have some things to say about, about climb-up technique and, and things like that. I don't know if... No, no, uh, he's, he's good. He's fast. Yeah. And,
1: and, it like, he doesn't do incredibly complex ascents, but he makes up for any... Mm-hmm. lack of technique with just sheer power, power. Yeah. and he's so strong and his upper body is strong it's not just he's not just a leg guy so he's just you know he's yeah. up I would love to see you it. like that sound effect <laughs> it's great sorry go ahead that's, that's
0: exactly what I hear every time <laughs> uh, I, I wonder if this is going to be the year and I would love to see it if if team fat tries to compete in SPL you could call this a call-out.
1: <laughs> okay, let's call it that then. We're calling you out, Team Fat.
0: Specifically, well, Orlando for speed. Who, but um, do, do you think any of them do well in skill? And who else does? I, I, always, okay. I often also. I'm I'm not deep into Team Fat, so I forget the names too. Who else does? Who else does well in speed? A bunch of them were injured for this video. I so. know, it's,
1: it's hard to judge based on this video, but. I feel like maybe Ale Mhm. Alejandro. Yeah. But it, I don't know. It's it's so hard to tell based on these videos. Like mm-hmm. it's it's easy to tell that Orlando would probably do well. But it's hard to tell how how anybody else would do. And and the the issue I think that comes up with skill is I never see them touch bars or like do any kind of swinging. Right. Which is would be an Achilles heel in mm-hmm. any skill
0: competition. Doesn't even matter the format. Like, doesn't matter whose uh, whose who's brand of competition. That yeah. I'm not gonna let you get away with <laughs> this one. No, no, no. We're not going there. No.
1: Yes, uh, that was the that was the correct <laughs> metaphor. Yes. Moving on. Thank you. Okay. So, but yeah, I, I never seen them touch bars. So. I don't really know how good they would be at at any type of swing challenge that would occur in a skill competition. However, um they're, you know, they do have fat gap ability. They have a good standard when it comes to sticking. You know, they seem to have otherwise a diverse skill set, so mm-hmm. it, it it again, it's hard to know without them actually showing up and competing, right? It's but, you know, you know better than anybody just mm. because you're good at things in parkour. Parkour is such a wide variety of things mm-hmm. that you could be good at. Doesn't Like if you are popular, doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to do well in a competition setting.
0: Yeah. Part- well, particularly in speed.
1: Yeah. I think also for skill.
0: Mm. Yeah, true. Because... Yeah, because like uh, particularly what's like uh, really popular on Instagram, or you know, even people that we would list off as like athlete of the year or something, might not be super well rounded. Yeah, even uh, style. Yeah. I athletes. mean, all all all,
1: mm-hmm. all, th- all three really. Um, mm-hmm. But I think the ultimate test is really just you know participating in a competition, mm-hmm. and that's gonna. And it's it's funny because it just reminds me of when Tim first competed at spl and Mm -hmm. it was like who's this guy again and then it was like oh he's actually the best in the world (laughs) like undeniable uh and it was just and i think he said he showed up to compete because he wanted to like figure out you know oh like what um what do i need to work on what Mm -hmm. do i need to get better at and he didn't really learn that much (laughs) from it it was just like oh okay i guess i'm just pretty good at everything man He, he uh,
0: not every year, but there's been a, a number of years where he's asked me, like, post-event, mm-hmm. like, what do you think I can do? Like, what do you think I could have done better? What do you think I could do mm. better? And one of the things I actually told him was, um, had more to do with his plyometric ability. Like, I find that he kind of plods mm. through stuff, like, relies on strength, but there's not, like, a, a an elasticity or a springiness to him. And... Coincidentally, he's now, like for the last year, dipped into plyometrics, got a ton of benefit from it, and is now promoting a program with Ken Watson. So good for you, Tim. He actually he actually did a story where he went into a little bit about how he felt like he relied too much on strength training mm-hmm. to get better at parkour and then kind of found the limit of that. And then it's like, I should have started plyometrics earlier.
1: Yeah. An- another thing I was talking to him about this most recent time for uh, like after SPL, Mm -hmm. he was saying that actually like precise, like single leg placements Mm -hmm. on things like rail running and things like that is something that is a big weakness of his. I think I remember this. Yeah. yeah, He, Mm he, he attributes it to like not really doing any type of sport that involves like foot placement, Mm -hmm. for instance, soccer or uh, football as they call it, they call it. Uh, which, which is, was an interesting perspective because, mm-hmm. well, in parkour, we put a high emphasis on foot placement, but in gymnastics, gymnastics doesn't necessarily, like you don't not really necessarily landing on things, and precisely unless you're doing beam and you're, uh, you're a woman, mm-hmm. um, you're not going to be exposed to that type of yeah. action, uh, which I found very interesting. But anyway, we, we should stop talking about Tim because yeah. we're talking about speed today. We are talking about speed and, today. And uh, Tim actually did try to compete in speed. Uh, I think at least one year. At mm mm-hmm. I. He he tried to do. He did uh, on sites years ago. It might have been his first. Okay. Might been his first
0: event. I, I recall that he's competed in it. Elsewhere, but I, I, I guess it wasn't
1: very memorable is what you're getting Well, to. he Well, I guess he did discover something that he needs to work on, <laughs> uh, but then decided not to. <laughs> um, yeah. Tim, I wouldn't, wouldn't describe as a speed athlete, but he's very mm-hmm. good everywhere else.
0: Yeah. And this is one of the topics that we wanted to get into today is great parkour athletes don't always make great speed athletes. It's like this area competition it's one of the, is it not the oldest type of parkour competition like officially and unofficially because you you had an article on this yeah they did some research on it uh,
1: so there were some very old like speed course competitions mm-hmm. that happened i they might have happened in tandem with a style event but i'm a little bit rusty on my history of com- parkour competition these days all about moving forward. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, it, it's the oldest idea of what makes parkour.
0: Yeah, which like, is like A to B as fast as you mm-hmm. can. Also, back in the day, I think, I think it was just an easier pill to swallow in terms of competition is, is speed competitions. Like, oh, of course. Like, that just makes sense. Uh, I think people were less in favor, when I'm thinking of like the early 2000s, of comparing like style competitor to style competitor, free runner to free runner, as we were saying, because it was more about like expression. And so it's more subjective, whereas speed See, is an com- entirely objective thing.
1: I feel like people who are anti-competition were anti competition were anti competition for everything. For sure. Yeah. So, but I actually think the style one was particularly sensitive. Because many people didn't feel like that was really parkour, mm-hmm. but it was freerunning, right? And that's what that was where they always drew the line was like, well, but we're actually doing a different sport. Mm-hmm. We're doing freerunning, so it's okay if we compete because this is—it's always been this idea that it's separate, yeah. which you know now we we don't think of as being separate. Some people still do, but we think of it as just being like different. Uh, different sides of the same coin yeah
0: so probably the oldest at least thought of competition in parkour and yet still again when we think about the most popular parkour athletes on instagram the ones that are out there doing the most incredible things and i'm not talking about the most incredible tricks talking about like the wildest descents the biggest gaps the
1: biggest front flips
0: yeah, well just yeah but, but anything particularly things that get you A to B the fastest climbs all this stuff they are not the ones uh, that we often end up seeing excelling in speed there's some exceptions there uh, but speed often gets talked about like when when store talks about it every single time they bring it up like oh, a bunch of unknowns like that's who won oh, a bunch of oh, who who who's this person Uh, And it kind of sucked because if you're like good at speed, then you're getting shrugged off by some of the most popular figures in in parkour. Just shrugging you off is like, oh, you're not very good. You're just somehow good at speed. So I kind of wanted to get into this today about talking about why is it that people who are great at what we see as like popular practice of parkour are not great at speed.
1: Well what is what we do find in you know this is kind of what you're how you're framing this what is so interesting is that s- speed is based on the original concept of parkour and yet how parkour is popular practice is more it's it's almost like you're not necessarily gonna be the fastest if you're good at traditional parkour uh, which which is counterintuitive because of this uh, because you know that's the concept the whole concept parkour is based on was this idea that you're trying to get from a to b as fast as you can and it's this conundrum that um that speed athletes find themselves in
0: so <laughs> um,
1: when we're talking about okay
0: so let's let's uh, just for our listeners let's let's define this a little bit better when we're talking about traditional parkour because i i know what you're talking about um but give, give us a try to give us a couple, a couple sentences here on like what the
1: popular practice of traditional parkour is to you. Okay. So I would define traditional parkour loosely as pretty much anything that doesn't involve flips, tricks, acrobatic skills. Um, and so we can think of parkour as this idea of moving yourself from one point to another. And there are a base set of uh, skills and abilities that we try to develop to get better at moving ourselves from one point to another. And so, of course, we have like walking and running, which we're not usually actively imp- trying to improve on in parkour, but other things like jumping, climbing, swinging, vaulting, rolling, um, and everything that kind of involves the connections between those things. Um, That's how I would define traditional parkour. Uh, It's developing your locomotor abilities, which just literally means your ability to move yourself from one point to another. And so what falls into that category? Well any type of vault does, any type of swing does, any variation on climbing, whether you're dynoing, you're doing a climb up, you're doing a cat back, which is also falls into the category of jumping. So you're jumping, running jumps, standing jumps, anything that would get you across a gap, uh, clear a puddle on the floor, right? These are all, this is parkour concepts. Uh, now, does flips fall into that category? It could. You know, if you're diving front flip out of a second story window that would definitely be the fastest and most efficient <laughs> way <laughs> to get to the ground right um but that's how generally how traditional parkour is defined uh if we go a little bit deeper there's actually so you know A lot of the times when you see people doing traditional parkour skills but you do them in ways that are not very efficient at getting you from one point to another that's still classified as traditional parkour because the idea is that well you're doing these things in a way that is improving your ability to do them when you need them in the to use them in the most efficient scenario do most people practice for the real life scenario of running away from a dog or trying to get away from a fire or save a cat from a tree? Probably not. In fact, most of the time we practice this because it's just an enjoyable activity that involves risk and challenge and trying to improve ourselves. Uh, but that's you know the general idea of what traditional parkour is, and that's more than a few sentences. Yeah.
0: I, I, I think I'd agree with that. Uh, one, one idea that I would add to that um, that is, Kind of become like a simple sort of division for me, because this comes up a lot, and this is going off of the speed subject, and it's a skill. But but people will ask us like why we don't why aren't we doing like flip fries and skills or would we ever do flip pre's? So, skill for SPL is traditional parkour, and for me traditional parkour, are movements, and you kind of explain this in one way, but it's movements that could have a scenario where like you had to do them so i can think of like a lache. all right there's a bar it's really high up there's two points Like you can find one of these somewhere in the world you know it'll be very exciting if you ever find one <laughs> right because you're like finally i can use this right that was um like part of my video project anytime i found like uh, there was one thing where i did like a uh, there's a double step vault. And I felt like this was like the right application of a double step double step vault because I had to I'm not gonna just go drop from this whole height, I'm gonna use two of them, right? Probably could have been a different technique I used, but it was it was quite appropriate, right? So I think it's it's movements that are again let's say I'll say appropriate for the scenario or there 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 could be an appropriate scenario somewhere at some point in time. And so and so, I would actually include front flips in there. Front flips are like a trickier one where you said, yeah, like uh, a small enough window that's high enough, like you're going to have to, unless you can pike jump really well, which no one trains, but like you could like, you know, squeeze through.
1: I think there's that a one. very strong argument to be made mm-hmm. that front flip will be less impact than just oh, a, a standard I,
0: I would agree, yeah. standard drop. So, so that's that's kind of like the only flip I would include. I wouldn't include 360 pres because... There, there could potentially be a reason why you would need to turn 180 degrees I can't see a scenario where it would be appropriate to do a full 360 degree turn to clear a gap so 360 pres to me are not traditional parkour uh, and this this isn't a podcast about p- pure parkour <laughs> I I actually love that move I think it's sick I don't think it's traditional parkour
1: yeah well it's so the thing about this is what we have to draw a line somewhere when, when we're defining a skill competition. So where we end up defining it is traditional parkour skills. Um, and so that means we're not going to do crazy like twisty moves or flipping. And we're not going to involve those in the competition, so we have to draw a line somewhere. But the the reality is, in our in most people's practice, they blur the lines quite a bit. Even, even some of the most traditional parkour athletes probably know how to do backflip or do or do flips in, in some capacity or practice things that are more aesthetic based as opposed to uh, utility based, whatever that means. So. We have to draw a line somewhere. And so where we draw the line is traditional parkour skills. You know, the fundamental skills just applied into increasingly complex scenarios. That is what makes skill competition. And then everything outside of that, you could use in your personal practice just fine. You could use it in a style line or, or somewhere else, but it just doesn't fit into our definition of what makes a skill competition. Um, so we have a, hopefully a better understanding of now what, at least we're defining as traditional parkour. So let's get back to the conversation of speed. Mm-hmm. And so why is it that you think, cause, cause this is something that you've brought up, which is that you don't believe that, or it's just, it's more rare to have somebody who is good at traditional parkour and it's more rare to have somebody who is good at traditional parkour win speed events or be a good speed Mm -hmm. parkour athlete. Why do you think that is? Okay, so I'd like to actually approach this from
0: uh, two different points. Um, So we'll we'll start with what they do wrong, Mm -hmm. and then I think we can go into what someone needs to do right, like what sort of qualities and behaviors need to happen in order for them to excel at speed. So I think what I often, the biggest one that, that I see an error with, with people that are great at parkour, and this, this was actually on full display when we were in Belgium last year, because there were so many guys that are so good that were competing. And were, we're doing like all the events. They were doing speed skill and style, some of them. They will use traditional parkour moves when they are clearly not the fastest way to go, it's just a c- clearly bad choice to use. So an example of this, an underbar. An underbar is something where you you're grab, so you're, we know what an underbar is, obviously, but you're grabbing the bar above you. But what's happening is it's slower than actually jumping through a space almost every time or even vaulting through because the fact that you're grabbing the bar and then you're having to pull it all the way behind you, it actually increases the amount of time the athlete has in the air. Another example would be overuse of Kong vaults instead of speed or step vaults. Um, I, don't, I don't have like a full like list in my head, but those yeah. are like two that kind of like stand out to me. I've even, I even saw like a... Shoulder rolls. Oh yeah, doing a roll. If you can
1: avoid rolling, um, yeah, unless it's like through the finish, you should always, pretty much always, avoid a roll in a speed course competition. A roll is extremely slow yeah. relative what? to other other yeah. skills.
0: Yeah. So, so what other errors do you think? Again, people that are because I think a lot of it is just a lack of experience there too, mm-hmm. where they're they've never trained a speed course. Like there's a difference, I think it's actually still quite popular to put together a, se- a sequence of moves and then try to improve how fast you can put them together, right? Whether that's a freestyle line, whether that's, you know, like hitting a, a, a faster cadence or like a... a um, flow. Or, or, or flow. Well, like, because like you, can, you can connect things and flow, but it can be really slow and I always feel like the, that there's a a variable of speed that that needs to be included. Like when I think of like the flow greats, when I think of something like someone like Fosky, like he's fast. Like all of his connections are super fast.
1: Yeah, but he's not likely to do well in a speed course competition.
0: Yeah, maybe not, because because he, he might start doing reverse faults and kongs and
1: things. <laughs> well, it's just well he what what his skill set is made up of is vaulting when generally speaking, you should do your best to stay only on your feet, except for when you hit scenarios where you can't use your feet. So so striding and striding powerfully is going to be your best, fastest way across most structures. When you run into something that you can't use a stride on, then you can start to think about kind of going down the list of alternative methods of uh, maybe you have to do a plyo, which is going to be slower than a stride, or maybe you have to do uh, use your hands. Maybe you have to kong up onto something, or you, you have to do a wall run and actually climb up. But these are all components of uh, of speed courses that are going to come up. But in general, if a, if you can stride the whole course, you should. And that's that's the interesting thing about speed is that it is actually a jumping. Type of activity or ty- yeah it 's a jumping sport to do well in speed, you have to be really quick on your feet you have to be good at like moving quickly, so sprinting and and jumping so you have a powerful jump is going to get you far
0: so this is moving more towards like now like um can you can you think of any more negatives or anything things that people do wrong usually
1: no i think I think we pretty much covered okay. covered that is is yeah, things like like a double kong, cool move. Generally slower than if you were to just mm-hmm. jump up and stride across. Um, and kongs in general, unless you're using them to get up higher onto something and you can't like stride or something, uh, the generally is going to be a slower movement than mm-hmm. again staying on your legs.
0: Yeah, and real quick to uh, kongs. The reason we're, we're saying that is actually the amount of air time that usually occurs when you do a Kong vault. Mm-hmm. Uh, even a step vault or, or a speed vault, you usually are getting over the structure and your, your feet are dropping down much quicker than they do with a Kong vault. So that's why Kongs end up being slower overall. And then any type of swing.
1: I yeah, the swing. They're, of course, everything we're saying here, there's exceptions. Mm-hmm. It's based on the course, and the course sometimes will favor somebody who does an underbar versus uh, an alternative skill. Mm-hmm. But generally speaking, these are good rules of thumb to follow if you're doing a speed course. So try, to, try not to use your hands mm-hmm. <laughs> whenever possible, especially swinging. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, do your best to stride. But yeah, go ahead.
0: I was going to say, this actually reminds me of a story uh, of someone who was not a speed athlete, who came from Origins, and we were doing an event uh, which was actually the first titled West Coast Parkour Championships, and this was in Seattle, and it was an outdoor competition. So much about that competition was ahead of its time, by the way, because it was an outdoor spot-modified speed course. Uh, and we ended up actually having a course that was I, I felt was really cool for the time. And we were never able to repeat it. And as a matter of fact, the, the location doesn't exist anymore. It's rubble. Anyways, what happened was Lucas Othmer was mm. competing at this event. And he asked us pre-event, like for any t- like anything, and we're like, we can't give you any details about what to do lucas is was a great jumper he had great strides and so our advice was try not to use your hands (laughs) try to and he podiumed this this was a and he's a a style athlete yeah like primarily especially at the time he wasn't doing actually that much parkour but it was just and it was just try not to use your hands Mm -hmm. And and it worked and we just saw like you know everyone that he was against was using their hands, yeah, because <laughs> they were less less experienced, right? But that one piece of advice for, for well, most people getting into speed competitions is huge.
1: Well, it's so interesting because speed speed is the is this weird weird scenario where it's actual testing ground for what techniques actually work, and as parkour athletes, we go through this whole uh, you know experience of teaching ourselves or learning. How to do all these skills. And then when it comes down to, all right, well, our goal is to go from here to there as fast as possible, our tendency is to want to use the skills we know how to do. And it's like, oh, this will be flowy. This will, you know, this will connect really well to this.
0: It'll feel nice.
1: And it'll feel nice, yeah. But that's not always what's going to be the fastest. It might feel good. It might, be quote unquote efficient, like you can do it over a longer period of time. Um, like you won't fatigue your legs as much or something like that. But it's this. It, speed courses are this weird, this interesting testing ground where like what techniques actually work to get you from one point to another fastest. And it's uh, uh, and it's it's. I think at least. F- for me, initially, it was when the first couple of speed course competitions I participated in, it was kind of a surprise. It was like, oh, I did this big dive roll, and I cleared over this whole thing, and it was, it, why wasn't that very fast? <laughs> and Justin Sweeney is here, just like, he just ran across the whole thing. It's like, man, that guy is so much faster than me. Why is it? And so it was like eye-opening. And, of course, that's, like a, that's a stupid example. I should have known that that was going to be slower. But I didn't, and I think a lot of people don't know that something is gonna be slower because they have this preconceived idea based on what we've learned in parkour of what skills are gonna uh, be fast because that's what parkour is. It's made up of all these different skills. But generally speaking, it doesn't work. (laughs) Or it doesn't always work. There's always exceptions.
0: Yeah. So one of the, and I think some people listening to this might be, thinking about speed courses they are either make in their, their gym programs, perhaps, or even events they've been to. Uh, but one thing that we don't do is we don't do any like floors, lava sections mm-hmm. on speed courses because that often opens up more traditional techniques. It's like yeah. we're saying, oh, you can't, um, swings are slow. Well, if you tell the athletes that they can't go on top of the bars and that the floor is lava, then they have to swing. Okay, yes that works but the other the other um, topic i wanted to get into next is um is speed cool like is it so because we we're going to continue to pursue it through spl we're going to continue to push it as um one of the competitive disciplines in parkour uh but it is something that i think is if we look at our numbers too for like our viewership it usually doesn't do particularly well we got um, the, you know, store podcast where they're kind of man. on it. I know, I know Callum really likes it. Like, he, he really likes speed. He thinks it's really cool to watch. I, I happen to agree when I see, like, a, a, a certain speed line that's really high level. It's really cool to watch. But um, I guess the question is, is, is speed cool? And if it's not a hip thing, what's stopping it from being that
1: way? And, and what can make it better? So to answer the question, is speed cool? It's always obviously subjective. But for me, what makes speed cool and makes or breaks it is the course, the course design. And I think we get a lot of positive praise for course design in SPL. But sometimes. Yeah, well, but I was going to say, we really like, (laughs) sometimes I feel like we nail it. And sometimes I feel like, oh, man, what were we thinking with this course? Like, it, it was too short or it just didn't have that much variability. Because one of the hallmarks of a good speed course is when athletes choose different routes in the same course. So, um, Which means either they don't know which is fastest and they're just trying to, like, do what they think might be fastest. Or they're playing to their own strengths which is like, oh, well I could take the high line there, but I'm not as comfortable like going fast on the rail. So I decided to go the lower line and and try to make up time doing it that way. And so I always think that's really exciting to watch when you see different strategies on the same course play out. uh, And that comes down to good course design. Uh, Also courses that force athletes not to just use their legs the entire time, which is what I was talking about earlier uh so particularly courses that involve ascents uh, it's something that we always try to include in our courses because uh the ascending first of all it's variety it's a different experience for it, for the viewer and the athlete to experience but uh it also demonstrates a um a more diverse skill set for the athlete so if somebody is really good at striding but doesn't know how to do a climb up very well, then that's revealing a weakness on their part. And realistically, they shouldn't be the one winning because they have a huge hole in their ability. So a good parkour speed athlete should have the ability to climb up quickly. Uh, And then, yeah, just, and this is something that I know you're probably going to mention, but risk, you know, like B courses are way cooler when there's some element of risk that athletes have to navigate. Uh, alternatively, if they don't have to navigate it specifically, but that's clearly the fastest way, seeing how athletes really manage that and decide to take a risk to get the faster time, that's very exciting to me.
0: Yeah, I, I want to go back to, uh, real quick, the, the floor is lava type thing. Because mm-hmm. I think this is a solution and, and it's It's excellent practice. It's something you absolutely should do in a gym setting, in a a preparation setting. To me, it's not something that should ever see the light of day on the highest level of, of speed competitions. So if there's a section where you're putting on restrictions like you can't go on top of here or you can't touch the floor, it's very confusing for a general audience to understand, particularly when there's it's oh it it is actually just the floor. It's like if you can make the floor water, like if you can ninja warrior it up, cool. I think I think that's actually sick. I think if we can get to a level where we have courses that are sections or above water, that that just reads to the audience and and you actually need that visual for it to make sense. Otherwise we're just we just look like kids running around. Um, this is also part of the reason why I'm I'm not a I'm not a fan of Chase tag. Like Chase Tag just Um, I I know there's people out there that that love it and are really into it. I just it's quite boring for me to watch because all the things I love about parkour like the risk parts don't exist as much in chase tag because it's all low to the ground and it's the same course every time. So yes, you see some crazy dives and stuff. But to me, that's not parkour like the the, the crazy stuff that happens like, oh, like they almost bailed. Cool. That wasn't. That's not really what I'm into. Um, So not super into chase tag. But Going back to speed, what's going to make a speed course cool? Yes, you nailed it. For me, a big part of it is, is risk. Um, and through that creation of risk, making opportunities for the traditional parkour moves to happen. And we, we try to do this all the time um, because the way that we set up speed courses in SPL with flags is we, we try to flag courses to incentivize cool stuff to happen. It doesn't always happen because sometimes the move that we think is cool isn't the fastest, and so athletes find another way, and then we're like, ah, crap, this course is lame now because they found a fast way, but it's not. it doesn't look cool. Uh, and a great example of this is like the lache. We try so often to include lashes in courses, and the only way you can really do it is if it's up high and, and there's flags that are blocking like the, the alternate routes. Um, but it's tricky to do. It's tricky to do in a gym. I think it would be quite easy to do if we could build something from scratch. The other thing that I think needs to be part of a speed course, uh, and I've I've probably said this to you before, is that your average person should not be able to complete the course. Mm -hmm. They should not be able to attempt it. Again, uh, this is like an elite parkour world championship speed course. This is why I think the... The fig courses are whack and I, you can see people do like some impressive, uh, jumps on them sometimes, but they're often littered with like slanted walls and it just looks like a, a very, uh, narrow or shorter version of like an obstacle core course racing course where it's like, they just have to go over a thing, go over a thing, go over a thing. And it's exhausting. Cause it's like doing a 400 meter sprint and I get it, but it doesn't have. The risk elements that make parkour cool and it probably never will because gymnastics is kind of anti-risk all right so final big question here then as i alluded to earlier who do we want to see compete in speed so we already talked about orlando fat i don't know what his real last name is
1: ali who else uh, I don't know if I have anybody else in mind. But I, got yes. I got a couple. I got couple. So, go, right, me, so he. Oh, he has I, I know, us. I, know, I, know he I know. teased us. I know. I to Wait. Number of times. Three, two, one. C Bay. Yeah. Let's um, do it. Yeah. Twenty-four. Yeah. SPL three. Yeah, he was supposed to be at
0: SPL one, but um, we got another qualifier happening across the pond. Let's let's make it happen.
1: Um. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah. See. C- I definitely want to see C Bay. Uh, I definitely want to see Orlando. Um, I actually want to go
0: into uh, Thomas MPO. Okay. I don't know if we'll get that. I don't know if we'll, does does he do chase tag? Do you know? I
1: have do no idea. Got, okay. I don't follow I, it closely enough to know. Yeah, who's, I don't.
0: I don't know if we'll get that, but I just think because he's so powerful, um, and that's such a such when we talk about the greats, you know that that have that have. Uh, been like that the that had like multiple year reigns as as champions in speed you know Meech Meech uh Joe Hendo Dylan Baker Brandon Douglas like all really powerful guys so that's always that's just like a stat that's going to be up there as mm-hmm. as uh someone who could do I would love to see Mish again <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> I th- yeah I think I think just just for the just just to see if he can do it um he'd have you know he has like the the age and the lack of practice odds against him but I would just <laughs> I would just love to see if he could just do it
1: he's so sick uh I mean we already saw him compete but unfortunately uh he didn't compete last year because he mm-hmm. had surgery on his ankle but Brody Pawson mm-hmm. so I'd love to see him come back and and uh I don't know if you know his training volume is still up, or if he's planning to compete ever again. Mm-hmm. But I'd love to see him compete yeah. again because he was also a powerful, mm-hmm. good at traditional parkour athlete. Mm-hmm.
0: I already mentioned her, but Renee Dombly, mm-hmm. the return. I don't know if we'll see it, but I, I just I, I always uh, I told her this like she's uh, I I recognize her as as a gamer, someone that doesn't. Peer, well, at least what she posts on Instagram doesn't always seem to be like the stuff like, you know, big things that are going to happen in the speed course or big skill challenges. Uh, I know she does include them in her regular training. I just don't know how interested she is, but she she turns it on, mm-hmm. right? Um, and she's extremely fit, and then that that always plays to her advantage. Uh, Lola Roy.
1: I was about to say Lola. <laughs> Lola. She competed at the qualifier at Hal Five mm-hmm. last year, and I mean, she did a gap jump that none of the other ladies did, and was on target to qualify, but unfortunately uh, got mm-hmm. injured in skill, uh, so she had to pull out of the competition. So we couldn't see her do, uh, you know, fully come, like have her speed course competition come to fruition. So yeah,
0: I'd also like to see Hazal. I don't think I think that's a very unlikely one, mm. uh, and I know I don't know how much her injury to her arm is still affecting her, but she's someone that is you know capable of the big uh, gap jumps. Seems to have a lot of power. Focuses on climb ups in a sense as well. So like a lot of qualities that would play well in a speed course if she she chose to do it.
1: Yeah. I'm sure there's lots of other athletes that I'm just drawing a blank on. I wish I had uh, come into this and question that, a little bit more prepared.
0: And that brings us to this week's uh, comment challenge is uh, drop some athlete names in the comments. Who, who have we not seen compete in a speed competition that you think would perform really well?
1: Fantastic question.
0: All right. I think that's it for today. Thanks for tuning in. Once again, if you're not subscribed to our new YouTube channel, it's STS Parkour Podcast. You can find us there. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and we will see you once again next week.